0: And these are the things that... these are the things that are that public educators face every day. And so I think that if we start seeing those as collective problems and stop focusing on, you know, the special kids that make it out and things like that, but ensuring that every kid has access to a high-quality education, that's something we have the means to do. We just don't have a lot of interest or political will to do it.
1: This is your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you've just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast from Humans Simply Being Humans. And I have a very, very interesting, interesting, interesting podcast today with my friend Nate. Now, Nate Smith is a teacher within NRC, and I had to, I had to have this conversation with him. Um, for the simple fact that I feel that not only is he a white man, and I feel like that's a demographic of teachers that you don't see often, but I thought it would be a very inter- interesting perspective to hear um, on why, like, why to teach, why you know, teaching in the times that we're living in now, all these different things. I had so many questions, and just hearing how he spoke about his love of teaching made me truly intrigued in hearing more about what he had to say. But how are you doing I'm doing good how about yourself I'm doing good I'm doing good um, first I want to ask you um, what made you start teaching in the first place
0: that's a pretty long story so mm-hmm. uh, uh, while I was in community college because you know mm-hmm. obviously you know universities are expensive so mm-hmm. while I was at community college um, well I wanted to be pre-med and uh, that's how I started I started out pre-med mm-hmm. and um, love science my whole entire life I jumped around when I was a kid I, I, I could tell people I went from like wanting to be a paleontologist to wanting to be a like and that was at four like telling people I was I want to be a paleontologist that's deep <laughs> and then uh, and then after that you know like I you know I read the hot zone when I was like in middle school mm-hmm. and I was like I'm gonna be a virologist and everyone was like what the hell is that what is that? <laughs> a virologist study viruses okay so, um, and then like researching vaccines and like you know formulating them and ah. uh yeah and then i wanted you know so i wanted to be a, a an er doctor because yeah. then i was like oh, you know like i'm good with people but now i was like oh man blood blood sucks yes so <laughs> so then uh so yeah i i went through a wide range of different scientific fields but mm-hmm. um eventually you know like i you know i settled on pre-med and i was like i'll go from there and you know your prerequisites and that's why i'm so like people hate prerequisites and mm-hmm. i'm so about prerequisites really yeah you know why because like you never know what you're gonna find out of them and it turns you into a completely different direction i get you saying. so when i was doing those prerequisites um i ended up in a philosophy course mm. it's just an intro to philosophy and this this teacher i love philosophy oh, it was awesome this professor but he he you know people can make it so boring right yes you learn about all these philosophers and they're they're I had all, a great one too uh, yeah, and they're all like uh, at a university let's face it they're all old dead white guys mm-hmm. and like so like this this guy was so different he was mm-hmm. like he would pose a topic on the board mm-hmm. and he would just have us he would just have us have a conversation yes and then he would have his fact check it, mm-hmm. and then it was almost like a debate that just happened naturally mm-hmm. and like I remember like the first one was about like being like eating meat, and I was, of course, like I love burgers, and I was like on, on the side with meat. And there was like two other people, mm-hmm. and uh, throughout the conversation, I kept fact checking, fact checking, fact checking. Mm-hmm. I ended up on the other side, yeah. And I like, I asked him if I to switch sides, he's like, Yeah, go for it. And then I ended up being a vegetarian for seven years after that, damn, yeah, like seven, yeah, seven years. So, but the the thing that was the coolest to me was we went over edu- our education system and, mm-hmm. and how flawed it is, and how many problems there are within it. Uh-huh. And you know, we went over assessments and like how how assessments don't actually assess what you got out of a course; they just tell you some sort of number that's pretty arbitrary, and and it doesn't tell you who you're going to be as a person. Mm. And um, well, at the end of it, he basically said, "If you get." What I'm trying to get you to do by the end of this course, I'll give you an A, no matter what you did in this class. Damn, and so talk about philosophy. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So at, I thought about it, yeah. and, and and he he had a final exam at the end of the course. Mm-hmm. So I, saw so <laughs> I got two people together. The two people who actually believe it or not who, I, was, the other vegetarians and. Huh. Uh, <laughs> We ended up uh, we ended up protesting the final. We sat outside of it. Uh, we we made little picket signs. We said, "Hey, this doesn't assess what we got out of your course." Mm-hmm. And he played the role real well because he came in. He's like, "You're gonna fail. You can come sit in at least." So we sat. I sat there with whole entire the whole entire course, or not the, the whole entire class. And he just he was like, at the very end, because like everybody else had left, he was like, "All right, you got your A." And I was like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, so we, and, and they're, you know, one of the three people, they completely like left. They were like, oh no, I'm not going to lose this because he kept going like, oh, you're going to fail, you know? And so like, we had a like a three hour conversation after that. Mm-hmm. We just sat there and just conversed and, mm-hmm. and it was awesome. And one of the things that he told me, because like we were talking about how we were unhappy with society and one of the things he told me is like, well... You know what? The big mistake that people make is is that if you are trying to change things, Mm -hmm. everybody's trying to mess things up from the outside in. Mm. He's like, why not become a teacher and mess things up from the inside out? Mm. That's deep. Right. And so that carried with me and Mm. I never forgot that. And next thing I knew, instead of working on, you know, I mean, I I had most of my uh, pre-med prerequisites um, as A matter of fact that's what I yeah that was my, my associates was in, in in science next thing I knew when I was going to university I was like mm, no I'm going to science education so
1: mm. damn um, that's I have a great affinity for my philosophy professor too, uh, dr. Ilya Davis who is just extremely brilliant uh, went to the um, University of Chicago actually that's and awesome. uh studied um uh, studied religion um and um literally the first book he had us read was a book titled how to read a book
0: that's interesting
1: yeah and it was it was definitely um informative just in the sense of just like it made you care about not only reading but interpreting things and he was really big on just the the matter of which you speak and saying thing, and like truly was one of those professors where words mean things. I'm not gonna stop you from using slang and all those different things, but when you're t- when you're speaking, you know, you know, properly, words mean things. Yeah. So don't say that you feel. You don't feel what what you're saying. You believe what you're saying, and you need to say it and state it in this way. And um, he was very big on just language and just how beautiful he loved. He loved how beautifully. A lot of these kind of you know very contemporary philosophers wrote, and in um, the fact that they wrote in such a, a matter of fact way, to you could tell this is where their mind brought them to, and this is what they're truly questioning. And he asked questions just like yours did. And um, I think I, I think I grew an affinity for him because I was one of the few people in class actually wanting to engage with him about some of these things, and also was definitely behind sometimes in my readings, and was so surprised that. I would give him the exact bait that he needed to start the conversation. Um, and it was beautiful, it was beautiful. I love I love the, a lot of the teachers that I've had, and I think the teachers are extremely, extremely vital with the uh, kind of just the existence of where we are at. I will say that, you know, growing up in the South, it's uh, education has always been interesting. Uh, my, um, I went to uh, school in, um, I'm from Tennessee and I went to school in Tennessee and the school, what was interesting about education is because, what's interesting about education is when your school isn't the best. I think you learn the most about the education system when your school isn't the best mm-hmm. at educating their students. I think when your school is, has all these accolades and a 100% graduation rate, you really don't, I, 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 would, I would think that a lot of students really don't understand the, how blessed they are to be in that situation until it's the complete polar opposite. My school, for instance, I remember my freshman year, they had this like signs everywhere we talking about 88, like 88 percent or better and 88 this and the third. Now essentially the graduation rate goal, So they wanted to just get 88 percent. They didn't get 88 percent, that means essentially the school was going to be taken over by the state or they would start into those phases of being taken over by the state, which was I learned too much of what that meant from it being, okay, now that you're on this list, if you make the graduation rate, good, you'll just remain on the list until you continue this continue this progression. Obviously, they did not make eighty eight percent my freshman year, but it had nothing to do with me, obviously. So then what happens? They introduce uh, kind of learning counselors or some type of learning facilitators from the state who are now employees in the school. So you really have people who may not even have anything to do, maybe probably don't even live in my town, who now are probably relocated to my small town to be in my school to literally teach all of my teachers how to teach. And so you can imagine the people who have lost their, you know, who quit their jobs, wanted to change careers. So many things happen. And I think in retrospect, we realize these things where it was so normal. Every year, I believe, I think the last two years I had the same principle but every Almost, I think in the span of that four years, I think we had a new principal. Sometimes it was, we had two principals in a whole school year, like really changing within semesters, all those different types of things. Because people wanted to leave, people got other jobs. It could have been good and bad things. Some people retired, some people actually were more qualified to be, other than assistant principals, to be principal, but they didn't want them to be the principal of my school, but another school, because the,
0: the whole county wasn't doing the best, obviously. Uh, it, that's the biggest problem with. Uh, that's the biggest problem yeah. with underperforming schools. Yeah. Is that you don't have those consistent relationships being built. Yes. Same problems in in, in my building. You have teachers leaving, walking out the door. Mm-hmm. It takes them forever in mm-hmm. a day. The kids to trust somebody when they walk into that door. I and bet. They get the, and and I'll, I'll be honest. They give them help. I bet. And, but but you can't blame them because they know that they're just the flavor of the week. And I mean, I, I, have I've seen students, I literally saw an entire year where they had the students out of four teachers had one teacher consistently throughout the year, only mm-hmm. one teacher.
1: And we, and not only can you sense that as a student, but like it's, it's, I don't know. I, I can only imagine how much they go home and take, and I think that's the part that trips me out about, there is this real interesting emphasis on, um, on like parents being more responsible for these situations, right? And I, I have, I have a, I feel like I have a weird, sen- a weird sentiments when it comes to that. Or I guess I'm kind of on the fence when it comes to that because I do believe parents should do uh, their due diligence in being a part of their children's education throughout. But I think about. If we're talking about students who are in the inner city and they possibly come from a certain, you know, a certain type of household, I can bet that mom is, un- unlike what people probably predict and assume, that mom is like just doesn't care about her children, whatever, whatever. Actually, it's the complete opposite. She cares so much, she's working so much, right? Exactly. Because she actually has to. Oh. So that means. You gotta get on the bus. You, I can't just take you to school. I'm not gonna be home when you get home from school. So it means you're literally underage, a minor, and you're gonna have to learn how to be at home by yourself for a few hours. I may not see you only but certain times of the night. I may literally be out of the house, you know, after you, but you won't see me until it's time for your bedtime all these different things i don't have money for a babysitter so i, I can't pay someone else to be around you and it helped you uh and you gotta do, but i also need you to do well at school mm-hmm. like i need you to get through this a lot like of- that's and, that, and that's and that i think so many and I, you see it often like i think it was um kian pill yeah. i don't know if you watch Kim pill but i love kian pill and they had a specific uh I forgot what the sketch they were kind of bringing up, but in the between when they were just talking, they had talked about how like when it's like he was like, you ever noticed like the difference in like black college films and white college films? And white college films is always about like man, school like like terrible blah blah. While with black people who are just going to college, it's like I'm gonna go to college and I'm and I'm gonna make it through it. Like it's it's literally the smallest part the initiation just getting through getting past just graduating which for so many people is so normal it's like of course you're gonna graduate of course you people making plans on it. people planning senior trips because they know they can do these because they know they're going to be in a place where this is just a step towards their lives and there's so many people of all different you know who come from all different backgrounds where this is the situation and they have to come to school Unknown, not even knowing this pressure that's on them, and um, and so many people are lucky enough to have a natural aptitude to honestly come. Some of these things come natural to them, but you have some that need more a different approach. Some some that need a different type of you know stroking to really get them focused on the on the work, and it also it's the matter of like so you have that mom, but you also could have a situation where. Yes, you have their mom, but it still may be other things going on. still may be things internally that's happening. It may be things that they just don't understand, things socially that are happening around them, and, they st- and they're now battling their own identity and all these different things. So you literally have to literally deal with humans trying to figure out things while adults are keeping secrets from them and not telling them a lie, but also putting pressure on them to succeed. And I would love to know. No, <laughs> that was that was that was my little anecdote. But I would love to know uh, the issues. And I I brought in about talking about that because you know eventually I'm proud to say my class of 2011 in high school was the one that we didn't know this, but they were kind of every year betting on us to get uh, specific um, scores on our um, kind of like end of terms, mm-hmm. and I think they call them like end of, end of like in a semester or something like that. Uh, Certain tests, certain standardized tests, and if they had a certain amount, then that was a certain boost for the school. My my, uh, class, my senior class, my just class I came in through were the ones who kind of gave that first kind of like good look, like obviously this is working. We were that freshman group where I, you know, sophomore year Essentially, school was taken over, and we had this administrator. So they, we didn't know that they were being told to do certain things, like they, like the student like the teachers had to do certain things. Had to teach us in certain ways. Had to prepare us for certain tests and teach this, uh, teach in this book in a very like instead of you know chronologically, they had to jump around to just get to all the parts before
0: that test. You did know? you like that? I hated that. Uh, um, but did it work? I don't think so. No i don't See, think so and, and and that's the thing is i don't think that works right like no. there's 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 so many there's so many different uh well now businesses that yes. are investing in education uh, yes. you know charter schools mm-hmm. and they they or or there's programs that are that are occurring that i don't want to say specifics but yeah. that are coming in and they're just flipping schools yeah. and they're mostly Let's teach the test. Let's teach the test. Let's get the best scores, and you know, let's let's turn the school around. And I don't know. Like, it, it sounds like the school that you were at was 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 what many call a turnaround school. Yeah, probably so. It. If it was a turnaround school, I, I, I'm wondering. Like, did what what did you prefer? Did you prefer it beforehand? Did you prefer it after?
1: Um, well, that was my freshman year, so I really didn't get a chance to even ha- create a preference. Okay. Of like, because it was going from middle school education to high school education, so. Uh, and I think starting out I think I was pretty average as a student mm-hmm. um, grades were I think were pretty mildly, really mildly good I never really had you know was like a failing student or a struggling student I think it was certain subjects that came easy to me and it was certain subjects that were you know I kind of needed more work on um, never was too troubled though yeah. and that was a blessing but um I think it was once we realized, at least probably by junior, once we realized that we were kind of like guinea pigs, or in a sense of like we just have to take so many tests, or, or all this is yet. Art. Yeah, these are things that we learned. Yeah, we might be kind of prepared, but also I really don't know nothing. Yeah, I really don't really know this. You know, like you, like I'm. I'm trying to memorize these things we're coming up with mnemonics and trying to figure out how we're going to you know go through this test it felt like as if we were during those times kind of like constantly in this kind of like sat prep act prep type of situation and that was a constant thing when it came to those things but it was very it was camouflaged as just a standard curriculum Hmm. but um it was so many things that it's so many things i feel like i should have learned and could have learned. But I think that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, but I would love to know, like, what do you believe is, two, two questions, what do you believe is one of the biggest issues, and what do you believe is one of the most overlooked uh, things about the school system?
0: Well, so, um oh. I could go for days on this. Um, and by the way, like there was so much. Like I, I feel like I needed a notebook right <laughs> now. What just I just like, there's so many things. Like I yeah. was like, oh, like and I don't want to be, because because th- those are really important things. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, to mention and and, and uh, so I guess like when I look at like the recent history of education, right? Yeah. Like you have you have George W. Mm-hmm. Right, and he. He did the whole No Child Left Behind, which set a huge precedent for standardized test, standardized test, standardized test. Mm-hmm. Let's base school funding on standardized testing, yeah. right? And what are schools gonna do? What's the mm-hmm. response? Teach to a test, yeah. right? So now you got a bunch of kids all that are learning the same things and learning to memorize yep. just because that's it's the easiest way to go about it. It's mm-hmm. just re- repetition. Um, and uh, you, you're just, you, you, you're literally just keeping kids in, in a zone of memorization. But then you get, like, the Obama era, and I, I loved Obama as a president, mm-hmm. and, but not everything did I ag- agree with him about. And one of the things I didn't was agree with him was education, because then you get, uh, he, he starts bringing forth um, the whole entire idea of merit-based Um, teaching, so Mm. he brought brought forth this thing called the Danielson system, Mm. right, the Danielson system is a system that basically evaluates teachers and their performances, right, so he was more like, oh, let's look at the teachers, let's look at their performances, let's look at what they're doing, Mm -hmm. and um, make it easier for teachers to kind of... Come and go, and make it easier for teachers to, if they're not performing, get fired. And that sounds great, right? Like because yeah. like there was this big documentary waiting for Superman, which was like very pro charter school and like saying like this tenure system's got to go. I've like heard it. I've yeah. heard it. And, you know, so it's it, it's an interesting documentary. And mm-hmm. uh, when I saw it, when I first saw it, I was like, at all these fields. And like after that, I was just like, all right like, I want to learn more about what's going on here, who's producing mm-hmm. this, and they're very, very pro-charter school, yeah. right? And basically, like, makes it seem like charter schools are these saviors for, like, these undeserving schools. Be- before you answer the second part of my question, because you brought you
1: say charter schools, and I always wonder, because I remember when charter schools became, started to become a thing. Mm-hmm. And to put it into context, I was essentially that kind of, Aftermath class of no uh, no child left behind, but was the first class of any Obama era type of instituted thing. So I was definitely one of those first groups of uh, high school students in the you know in the nation who was seeing whatever that is that he was doing. Um, What I guess what are the negatives about charter school? Because I think what I think the thing about why so many people I feel like do them, why so many parents choose those things. It's because of the kind of the branding of them. Mm-hmm. They seem like a... a but, but what I wanted to say to you was that uh, what what are the things about, I guess, charter schools that are bad? Because I believe it's a, a branding thing. I think it's a... Public schools have this interesting stigma of like, you know, public schools are like the low-grade, generic... You know, it's a toss-up. Kids may do well, they might, they may not. If this, you know, the public school doesn't have, you know, uh, like great athletics and extracurriculars, then it's kind of, you know, really nothing and all of that, right? And charter schools gives you this kind of like, well, oh, so me as a parent who, you know, maybe middle class to low class, have another option for my child. They have these special, these special things at this school. Cause I actually went to a magnet school, okay. And, and it was I obviously wasn't a charter school, but I think it was that intermediate kind of creation before you know that you know before charter schools became more of a thing. Yeah. And that magnet kind of system was you know us kind of, kind of essentially majoring almost in a thing. Right. You know, either something technical, something, you know, something oriented to, you know, maybe business. Just some type of skill that you kind of were starting to get the introduction on. Right. What is, wh- why are charter schools so bad? Well, or why, what, what are the negatives about charter schools, i say? You
0: know what? Like, just like anything, there are trade-offs, right? Yeah. And so, um, I I don't want to call them bad. Yeah, that's what I said. I, I, I would like to, I, well, I would like to consider them like... I mean, it's a different strategy, but but here here's kind of the strategy involved, mm-hmm. right? Is um, first of all, the kids um, most of us buy a lottery, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, and that's all good and dandy, yeah. uh, but like one of the big problems is is that you know they've done studies, right? Like you, you would think, oh, okay, like these these charter schools are this godsend right like Mm -hmm. but they've shown no growth and and one of the things is they can kind of also pick and choose who comes in and they can kick them out very easily they can kick kids out super easily so if kids are misbehaving you go. Back to the public schools, you go, right? And so what happens is, is now you got, like... Do, do they base it off of some type of, like, grading skill? Like, is that already
1: an expectation, or they can really just make it, pick and choose?
0: I mean, they have, like, very strict, clear-cut rules, almost militant. So I did some work in the charter school when okay. I uh, when I was in my undergrad. Okay. And the kids couldn't hug. Kids were not allowed to hug at the high school level. And, yeah. Mm. Right? And that, And that was some type of suppression
1: on kind of, like... I guess to not encourage sexual type
0: of something I don't what, know whatever I don't know but like I mean also I mean like, like Damn it, you can't hug you good right? like, Valentine's day exactly. trying and to like get it, on my junk. And yeah. it's you know it's high school like yeah. I mean that's, like, that's part you look back on those times and you're like oh you know those are, yeah. yeah but I would, but I would but, be kicked out Right exactly exactly and so I think it's also important to look at what a charter school is right mm-hmm. A charter school is a publicly funded Mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. as a school right mm-hmm. a public school is government funded so it really it comes down to at the end of the day who do you trust right yeah. do you trust the government to provide the education to you or do you trust private businesses to give you the education and the appropriate education and you know like it, it, it can also go back to like Thomas Jefferson right mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson the first thing a lot of people don't know this uh, Thomas Jefferson wanted his achievements listed on mm-hmm. his uh, gravestone, and uh, the first thing he put down out of all the things he did beyond like being a president, signing the Declaration of Independence, the first thing he put down was forming the public education system. Mm. And so like he believed in it. He believed that a democracy needs free education mm-hmm. that is untan- untarnished, untainted, mm-hmm. right? And so, so be, that's the only way democracy works, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you need educated people to vote because look what happens when you don't have educated people voting. You end up in the position we are in now. Yeah. Right? So, like— Which um, is interesting because it sounded like that was a
1: goal. Right. Like, w- we have set up the government right now because we are the most educated, so we will make decisions for you. Mm-hmm. But we don't expect to always do that because you
0: should get smarter as a— as a side, right, absolutely. So which I, which is happening, right? And so as at, at, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's it, it depends on it depends on who you really are going to trust. Are you going to trust businesses to yeah. run your children's education, uh-huh. um, who are for profit, yeah. right? Or are you going to trust the government? And both are problematic in their own sense, right? Yeah. And so. And, and, you know, oftentimes is a state government, but it depends on whether or not it's a, I mean, it gets real complex, whether or not mm-hmm. it's state state education or federal education because yeah. there are certain federal mandates and there are certain state mandates, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, I think that my problem with charter schools, too, is that their teachers don't need to be educators. Damn. So, it's kind of like in the sense of private schools. um, where, like, typically private schools will try and recruit the best and brightest, right? Like, and, and, and so, for example, if I want to take a biology course, they might find some highly qualified biologist and, yeah. you know, you're going to pay them money, pay them to, money to, to, yeah. to get in there and, and, and learn from that biologist. They'll take a biology bachelor's, right? And they'll work them to death, right? Like, they'll make them do home visits. They'll make them teach more days. And then at the end of the day, they will also... Um, They will also pay them about half the amount that they pay um, a public school teacher. Mm. So you see very, very high turnovers Mm -hmm. in charter schools. You don't see people lasting there very long because they, they, well, first of all, like, they... And because it's a business,
1: too, so cuts and things like that.
0: And so, like, let's say that I, you know, someone who's been teaching for five years now wanted to be in a charter school I wanted to grow there and I wanted to grow that school. Well, mm-hmm. I might be making too much money and if they need a budget cut. Phew. Yeah. Whereas like the teachers who are unionized, they can't do that too. So like exactly. you get people who develop their practice more. So um, I mean obviously I'm a little biased, right? Because like I'm I'm in the public sector but I, you know, I I think that there are people that think that this is a solution and um I don't know. Like, I'm a little bit more skeptical of businesses than I am skeptical of what's going on at the state level. Now, federal level, I I, I do actually want to go back to like when I was talking about like the merit-based teaching because I don't want to sound like oh, like I'm being picky about like <laughs> oh they're evaluating me now because every job yeah. is evaluated, right? You should yeah, you should. Ex- you should
1: you should want you should want
0: to be better. Right, exactly, and everyone should want to be better. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a big thing. But like I want to get back to that because like. I wanted to talk about like, or talk to like, how it does affect different schools, right? So if you're a, a teacher who's merit-based, right, and mm-hmm. like part, like part of part of the Danielson system looks at how are the students behaving in your class, mm. and so you can get rated lower if your students don't behave if they are messing around and whatnot. And mm. so a lot of teachers- Which isn't kind of, always directly your fault. Right, yeah. it's not always directly your fault. Mm-hmm. But what it does is, is, um, you know, and, and by the way, like I have to tell you, when you are learning and training to be an educator, they do not teach you behavior management. Yes. It's all philosophy of education. Actually, I don't think any of my undergrad helped me, <laughs> you know, but you go into a classroom, you go into the school and, um, if you're being rated on that, where are you more likely to go? Mm-hmm. Are you are you more likely to go into the suburbs where all the kids are just sitting there ready to learn? Mm-hmm. Or are you more likely to go into a school where the kids uh, have had transient teachers that have constantly left them and they're not going to trust you and they need to take time to trust you, yeah. right? And, and so the behaviors might not all be there, right?
1: Damn, like, you know what I think about? I think about the people who come straight out of college and become teachers. Most teachers start out without even truly being around children like that. Yeah. Like, no matter what age. Right. You've never been around people who are, you know, 10 plus years younger than you Mm -hmm. for extensive periods of time. You don't have kids of your own usually. When you are first starting out as a teacher, you may have done a little bit of, you know, teacher assistant, you know, in your, you know, before the fact. But for the most part, you really don't know how to really manage children.
0: No. I mean... Because they're different, you know? And most people don't have kids at that point in time, yeah. right? And yeah. so, yeah, I, I think there's something to be said. And some of those... And, and, and here's, you know, we're talking trade-offs, right? Here's some of the plus side of um, things like Teach for America yeah. or like charter schools is yeah. they... You know these people are coming without teaching backgrounds right uh-huh. and so they train them on the discipline or they have such strict structures and rules mm-hmm. that they like the no hugging right like that allows the teachers to have power within those rooms and so mm. um, but again it's you know it's a trade-off right and it's a a social
1: experiment too
0: right right Cause and that's so, really what you create Absolutely, and like again, like all the research that I have read is pointing to that there is no increase mm-hmm. and or, or no increase in test scores based on the fact that you know char- charter schools versus public schools, mm-hmm. and especially when you cut out like, for example, charter schools have the opportunities to pass out, you know, to to. Remove students if their behaviors are not on point. They can uh, certain charter schools can decide on whether or not diverse learners are inside of your inside of their school, right? So their their scores automatically look inflated and look good. But um, at the end of the day, when like most of the studies that I've seen, when you break them down, they're not performing any better than, than a public school would be doing, yeah. and that's that's a shame because you, have, you you saw a city like Detroit who pretty much just knocked down all the public schools and said all right we're all businesses take over and 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 made the whole entire city charter schools damn so, they know that yeah so i mean like and, and and that was a big fear with um that was a big fear with uh and Illinois with Brown uh, with right like yeah. he he has his own charter school and and
1: and how they were closing down schools Oh, so i remember where was it like yeah, I think it was like 75, over 75 have been closed down thus far in the past several years. And you have no child left behind to anything for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's just, that's just a shame. I think I'm really, I think going to college, like I think college is truly the uh, the equalizer of education to me in a way to really show you how good of a student you are (laughs) like you learn how scholastic what your scholastic level is truthfully yes you might have been valedictorian and did all this but you're going to see some f's you're going to fail something you're going to you know and i I like that about higher education Mm -hmm. but also i think it's that element of paying for things and all of that but oh i didn't want to forget you to answer uh that second question oh I'm so sorry but no it was because I forgot it too and um, we definitely got on a great tangent but um (laughs) what is the most overlooked kind of thing about I feel like that you've seen about either just the education system as a whole or your specific situation being in the public uh sector
0: um most overlooked thing um most overlooked so I think the most overlooked thing is, is that I don't think we're, and, and and this kind of goes along with when we're talking about like solutions to the education system at this point, but the most overlooked thing is, is that we're not preparing our kids for, for the future. Damn.
1: We could, we could, we could just cap it right there and we could double back on solutions, but I'm. Cause I got a lot to say. You want, I was gonna
0: say I got, I got a lot do to you, say on you, that. Do you, want, do you want me to save it?
1: Yeah, or? let's save it. Right, but I'm glad there. that's what you said right, though. Cool. That's beautiful. That's like perfect. I couldn't ask you anything else. All right. But let's let's say it. okay. Go into this though. Um. Killer Mike, I'm not sure if you were familiar with him as a rapper. I love, love
0: know, Run the Jewels. You love Run yeah. the Jewels?
1: Mm-hmm. He um, has been on like a press run for the past several weeks because of his new show on uh, Netflix called Trigger Warning, right? Yeah. And he had this interesting debate. And it damn near kind of seemed a little emotional on uh, The Breakfast Club with uh, DJ Envy, where he was DJ Envy and like so many minorities who have grown some type of, you know, who gained some type of wealth, the first thing that usually happens, especially within the black community, is you think about the education system that you grew up in Mm -hmm. and the education system you don't want your children to grow up in. Right. So what do you do is usually you send them to some type of, you know, private school. Right. Um, And Killer Mike had a very interesting take on this to me. And that was that y'all, he was like, we give up on public schools. Yep. We, he was like, public schools aren't good enough. He was speaking about a very, from a very specific perspective. Cause in Atlanta, Georgia is a very different place than most places. Cause you're a black individual. You feel a lot more empowered in that city than most cities. Cause if you're in Atlanta, Georgia, you meet the, you probably meet the first lawyer you probably ever met in your life. The first doctor, the first black everything, you know? Um, and then also you learn about the history of the city and you're finding out like they haven't had, they've only had black mayors for the past you know, 25 years. You learn about all these black millionaires and billionaires who live in the city, who've created things within the city, all these first who are from this place. Schools named after a lot of those historical individuals like George Washington Carver, like Frederick Douglass and so on and so forth, uh, Benjamin E. Mays and so on and so on. And um, so you literally are going to schools named after greats that look like you. Right. He spoke about how like these schools are, you know, teaching still teaching these technical skills or still teaching these things to actually tangibly prepare children for giving them an option. It's like you don't have to go and do, you know, learn how to, you know, do woodworking or learn how to, you know, fix cars and things like that. But now you have a skill. Now you know how to do it, so if anything, it's still a benefit on your life, because why? You probably, you now don't probably ever have to go to the shop to do half the things you everyone else got to do, right. so that now provides some type of thing, you know, some type of peace of mind for your life, and they were going back and forth, saying that, I don't and DJ Envy's kind of point was uh, you know, I don't want my children to go through what I went through. He was like, my education was terrible. I went to school in the and qu- like in Queens. Yeah. And it was, you know, you had fights, you had, it was a very lean on me. If you ever seen lean on me, have you ever yeah, seen lean oh on yeah. me? It was a very lean on me situation type of thing. And that was the whole get up and Killer Mike kept saying, like, that's the problem with us. Like, it, it like they're this bad because we Don't care. We just take our kids out and we put them in these schools and they're in environments that they're not Truly getting ready for themselves because they're in environments that truly aren't telling them about themselves They're in these environments that are teaching this very kind of like we don't see color We're just teaching it very abroad like we're gonna teach everyone on the same level This is even though it's slightly eclectic in the room and everyone has money and all these different things We're not going to truly acknowledge the diversity that's in the room and the diversity that's in the world We're gonna still teach you this very whitewashed version of a lot of different Different things Absolutely. in the midst of you having to deal with the of the uh, kind of like the social space that you're in because a lot of kids who are minorities no matter not even just black but just you know being Asian and all these different things going to some of these schools these kids are teased these right. kids are still picked on they're still like, targeted because they are the minorities
0: of this, you know, private school. Whether or not it's a joke or not, right? Like, like, like some some kids are like, think it's a joke, right? Yeah. Like, like, it's like, oh, it's cool. Like, we're cool, right? But, like, they don't realize, like, the damage that they're doing. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, and um, I, I would love to know, you know, what's your stance on, you know, kind of, like, you know, the private school education as well, but, like, and, like, and, and people who see that as better yeah I mean, and I think that was that was his whole point was that we shouldn't see this as the best right. because they may gain a thing but they're not you know what I'm saying they're still lacking in another area right and I've seen this a lot like like I told you before we started you know I went to HBCU and a lot of people that I went to school with were black people just like myself who went to an all-white private school and just felt like they didn't get enough of their own selves, they felt like they didn't get enough of their own sense of identity. It wasn't like they got tired of being around white people, but they genuinely just didn't know enough about their own history, didn't know enough about people who looked like them, and they longed for that. They wanted that. They wanted to see about that, and they knew they would get that in a place like that, which you certainly do. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, so, um, Jesus, a lot. Um, I, first of all, I'm going to preface I agree with Killer Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because I like his music, but <laughs> I, I, I agree with his position. Um, but so, uh, it's all that's a lot to unload, right? Yeah. Um, Killer Mike's position, uh, he I would agree with. Um, uh, yeah. so, and one of the reasons why is because. First of all, and I try and tell my kids all the time, there's there's one of two things you can do. You can, you know, many people think that, like, oh, I need to get out of my neighborhood. I need to get out of where I'm at, right? Yeah. That's, like, that's the goal. Is like, this, they they think education is this ladder to mm-hmm. get you out of where you're at. Yes. But what about... Once you're out. What about going back and, and fixing where you were at? hmm And not enough people... I, I think there's an argument to be had that, you know, uh, and, and I've read plenty of literature on this yeah. and, and, and of of African Americans say go back to your neighborhood and yeah. fix it like yeah. this education like, don't this education that you get and if you have a gift yeah go back and go do something for your community. Um, gosh, I want to look up her name because so I read a woman of science every day because we know mm-hmm. like in my curriculum we only talk about old dead white dudes right yep. when we talk about scientists right yeah and oh patricia patricia bath
1: yep she creates she created
0: the uh procedure to lily with dinner cure blindness yes yeah she mm-hmm. uh she created well she actually so she went to europe to go do that yeah uh, but she had a gift she graduated early mm-hmm. she goes and she I feel, goes, I feel real good that I knew who she was. Yes. Yeah, that, 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 that was awesome. So like she yeah, she's an ophthalmologist and she goes back and she realizes, Oh, well, African Americans have a predisposition for glaucoma. Yeah. And she goes ba- so she goes back to her neighborhood and mm. says, Hey I know that there's a problem and I know that eye care is expensive so what does she do she gets a bunch of people to do eye eye surgeries for free and she like literally like set up all these foundations to take care of her community and so like that but that's the thing is like a lot of people think that like education is supposed to be a ladder to get out of your community yes and it's it shouldn't be it's not a ladder it's something to improve your community Mm -hmm. and but I think the
1: thing about that is, it's not only th- there's several elements to that. I believe mm-hmm. there's the element of, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're here, we're here, we're here in Chicago, and you have a person like Chief Keef, for instance, right. a famous rapper, literally could not stay in the city because he got famous. Right. So he couldn't even stay in his own environment because he now is becoming a target to people who need what? Money. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, there's already this innateness or this assumption that's made that if I stay here and I'm now worth something, if I stay here and I'm now worth something, <laughs> I love it. Uh, if I stay here and I'm worth something, this is what will happen to me. I will be a target, which, it's possible. Right. Because it's genuinely the, the law of, the, kind of like the, the law, It what it is what the projects were supposed to be. Right. It is an experiment of so many magnitudes because you have limited resources and you have people fight for them. Mm-hmm. So if it's a person who has more than the next, then this is what's going to happen. Um, but I do believe. But no, I, I feel like we're getting to a beautiful place to, you know, kind of... Because I, I think it's it's interesting. I think there that's why educators, and this is why I really it's getting to them kind of like nitty-gritty to why I think it's vital that we and you spoke. Mm-hmm. Because to me, and maybe it's just me. I don't think so, though. Um, I believe that you are around your teachers more than you are your parents. Yeah. So, your teachers have a responsibility to understand you, see you, and see everything about you. Right. And then also, teach you those simple things as well. Like, truly give be the example for you to, you know, treat other people just in that same way. And I think that's the most vital thing about all of it. And I think... I do agree, but I do think it's a real weird issue. That's a, you know, it's real weird cultural internal issue that we have about not giving back and not coming back to our neighborhoods and doing those specific things. Um, I think it has a lot to do with it because it usually takes so much to get out. It usually takes so much energy and so much. So you had to work so hard just to kind of get a thing, you know, from people having to, you know, work out and, you know, and uh, be you know be magnificent in this sport, and I've always said on the show, and the big reason why I, uh, my tagline is you know the Soulfully conscious podcast and humans simply being humans is because I want to truly normalize you know m- that my face and the, so many you know other black faces and other people that I brought onto my show are humans too, right? Right. and I think so often that uh, especially you know, in the black community, it's either we are superhuman or subhuman. It's, you're either Michael Jordan or the bum on the street of Chicago. And I think that in between is where we, all of us really are. <laughs> and we are so kind of, you know, we just looked looked over and looked around. But I would love to kind of, you know, dive into something that you did say about, you know, when you were talking about, you know, Trisha E. Bath and these different women. What type of practices do you kind of, you know, have in your classroom that truly kind of, you know, recognize and uplifted? That was a big thing that really brought, you know, drew me to you when we were speaking at the holiday party. You were just telling me, it's like, yeah, I talk, you know, i do, you know, kind of, you know, women woman sciences of the day and do all these different things. Like what are, what what made you want to do that? And also what are those kind of like things that you do?
0: Well, so there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of literature on decolonization mm-hmm. of education, right? Like mm-hmm. making sure that, um, making sure that we're not just teaching Western values all mm-hmm. the time, because I mean, let's, let's face it. Like, you know, like the, the whole entire idea of like the, the, the idea of the melting pot, we're not a melting pot, right? Mm-hmm. Like there, there's some people that want to say like, we're a stew, all of our flavors combine a little bit, but mm-hmm. we still have different segments, right? Yeah. And different cultures within it. Mm-hmm. And, um, Yeah, so, uh, but like, clearly there's a dominant, there's a dominant form of education, right? It is learning about all the great things that, well, let's plain and simply say it, it's just, we learn about all the great achievements of what white males do, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you grow up, and kids grow up wanting to be, wanting to be possibly, or thinking so highly of these Western cultures that are just mostly dominated by white males, and Mm -hmm. so, What I do, I try and read a, uh, you know, I begin the year off by having my students draw what they think a scientist is. Mm. I give them 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. and I say, I don't need to talk. I want to talk to the neighbor, just quietly. And this this usually works at the beginning of the year. And by the way, most of my assignments, I want them. I want them to get up. Like, I, I, I allow my students to get up, move, like, move around their tables, mm-hmm. within parameters, but, like, move. Like, you know, I mean, you can't expect middle school students to <laughs> sit around all day. But, you know, so, yeah, um, I have them sit down. I have them quietly, beginning of the year. I have them draw a scientist. And I give them 10 minutes. Oftentimes, I'm going to give them about 20 minutes because they get into it, right? Mm-hmm. And some of them are like, Let's go there. And they draw them. And mm-hmm. so when we have a discussion, I, I, I let some of them show them up on the board. And I'm like, you know, tell me why you're doing this way. And you know, we talk about the stereotypes of scientists, right? Like, because scientists are stereotypes in some ways, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I attribute some of the things that uh, we're dealing with now is the mistrust of science, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people don't believe in vaccinations anymore, right?
1: yeah i just that, i feel like it just came past. i feel like i don't know it felt like it just popped up because i don't
0: even remember being being young and people talking about that it's, no no i mean within the past like five ten years right and yeah. so people don't people don't trust scientists on that now they and that they're high high and right on that now. Right. Well, now people got measles right like. like it's ridiculous and then and then uh you know the earth being flat right you know so you have people that are just not trusting science or climate global climate change like you have people that are not trusting scientists, but NASA, NASA a global country. Like you're trusting, you're, you're mistrusting people that sent us to the moon, right? Like how hard is it? Like that, you know how much data you have to borrow? But anyways, regardless, I'm sorry, I digress. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Get into your scientist bag, right? right? Get into your scientist um, bag. So where was I? So sci- like, uh, so we talk about the mistrust of science, and like, mm-hmm. why might that be? Right? Like. Um, and then you see, like, we start talking about things. I'm like, I remember Dexter's Laboratory. Evil ch- scientist child, right? And great then, show. Oh, it was a good show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, but, like, we also talk about, like, uh... I mean, just, like, in every single show. Rick and Morty, right? Right. Great show. Evil genius scientists. And so, like, at, so almost every single aspect of science, we see evil people in popular culture. Mm-hmm. People who... Or maybe are not evil, but, like, are trying to do something good and take things too far. Yes. Right? That's the way the media portrays scientists. And so we talk about that. hmm And it, it, it goes good. But then, you know, I break off from that and I said, well, be honest with me. And I've seen all your pictures. How many of you drew them as white? You get a bunch of hands. And my, my kids aren't white. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I say... All right, ladies, be honest with me. How many of you dreamt of male? Mm-hmm. And you get a bunch of hands. And I've even seen uh, numerous times, though I've done this for a couple years now, they start scribbling in longer hair. Like, and again, like longer hair means that you're not female, mm-hmm. or you know, whether or not you're female. But like again, you see these things, and the kids start changing their pictures, mm-hmm. and they recognize what they did. But they also recognize... I did this because this is what I'm told the scientist is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or these are the only role models that I've had that are mm-hmm. scientists. as I read about people who are white. Yep. Yeah. And so I preface that with a, a book. One of my one of my advisors uh, told me about so 50, 50 women of science, mm. um, and um, we read on the day. And and we talk about why we're like and, and every single time, you know, I saw a comedian, uh, Joe Rogan. Yes. I saw a comedian, Joe Rogan. I saw him on Netflix and he was joking about what what great things did women do that, and I was like, I have this book of of, of female inventors and that female scientists, no, right? It was a joke for him, like mm-hmm. like yeah, like, yeah. And, and, and and I was like, plenty of things. Mm-hmm. But we don't talk about it because they're being overshadowed by white male culture, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, just how many people we just talk about Patricia Bath? How many people can talk about Patricia Bath? Mm-hmm. How many white males can talk about Patricia Bath? Right? She
1: did something that's just.
0: But I didn't was. know about that because mm-hmm. I grew up and learning about dominant white male culture, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of been a gift for me to be teaching in an inner city school where I I could be learning about these things that like, no, like not everything that's been great has been about white male culture. There's so many different people that have done so many amazing things and we Mm -hmm. just don't hear their stories because they're not the ones writing the textbooks. Yeah.
1: I think it's beautiful that you, I think it's so beautiful that you do that. And I think it's so vital that you do that because not only do you need to know that there's someone that exists that looks like you that could do just the options you know um i think so many people can't just throw away the significance of, of obama for so many reasons and even as black even in the black community even if you just did not like him Did not agree with a lot of things he did. You were extremely conservative, whatever it might have been. You still have to give it up that, but he was a great symbol. Like, he did prove a thing to, like, all these kids. Like, if you are, uh, if you are literally, what, at this time, what, uh, that would be, what, 12? Yeah, I guess, what, 16 or something like that? You know? You grew up only really knowing. You know, of a black, you know, president, and like I can only imagine, you know, what I'm saying, talking to kids about that, where this like Trump is some is a lot of kids' first white president. Yeah. You oh, know. Yeah. And then yeah. Then you think I never it, thought of that. And then you think <laughs> about, and then you think about like all then you look back, and it's like dang, so Obama really was the first, mm-hmm. and that was the one that I was born into feel pretty thankful, you know. Right. Because that's their first sight, that's who they see. And then they get this imagery. They they see how he are how he is and all these different things and it definitely um perpetuates the sense of, you know, you can do anything, you can do everything. And seeing yourself in different spaces and places, I do believe that, you know, you need a lot of, I think it's interesting how you see, you know, so many people fight diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Joe Rogan, I I, I, I think I, his podcast is not only intriguing for the fact that he has, I think to me Joe Rogan does several things all at once. He does. He does. He gives you a. He gives a his, his platform really is for anyone, really for anyone. But not only that, he presents honestly to me the it almost he presents like the male psyche.
0: Yeah.
1: And all of its, the white male psyche and all this kind of, you know, every version. And I don't think you get that in no other podcast. Because no. he talks to the conservative guy, he talks to the liberal guy, he talks to the, you know, conspiracy guy. And so he gives you almost every single type and a commonality with a lot of them. is They share a lot of different things. You know, they feel that they are, you know, targeted now. They feel that, you know, being white male is like a is a derogatory thing now or, or better yet uh, just the fact that they is like now nah, I can't even have an opinion about like a negative opinion about diversity and I don't get it and like there's no studies that show that a more diverse workplace or more diverse this is better and this, that, and the third and it's kind of like you guys missing the point because I always fight back on like it's not even about it just being a better thing because you, you're thinking about Things being equal, meaning things are better for you and everyone else. But a wise person once said that equality looks like oppression to those who are privileged.
0: Right. And, 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 you know? and I don't mean to interject. But no, but go ahead. You, and, and I think about my curriculum when you say that. Because it's like, I grow up, white males grow up hearing that white males are awesome all the time. You're constantly getting Direct- high-fived, or indirectly. high-fived by the education system by saying, hey, look at this white male and look what they did. Look at this white male and look what they did. And and so like, Four fives. right? It's, oh, oh, absolutely. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, just beyond that, I'll, like just throughout, like, I mean, you read a history book and, and geez, like the, the proportion. Yeah. Uh, like despite of what our cultural makeup is, is yeah. just, it's is just terrible. So it's like when you start hearing things that oppose that white males are great you're gonna start trying to defend that yeah. and, and and it sucks it's stupid because like you know it's like people aren't taking this this, this perception of like alright well like they had their you, you know these pe- those people had their time in history whatever yada 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 but like give other people a voice and and, and, and unfortunately uh, they, 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 you know, they they don't want to do that. Although you could uh, you could argue that Joe Rogan is giving multiple people voices, but also, I mean, I keep what he just had Alex Jones on. Yeah, he did. I think there's an argument there that like there's an argument there like I'm fine you you're, you're, you're giving you're giving a person the ability to have a platform mm-hmm. that you know is spouting. Am I allowed to swear? Yes. Spotting bullshit, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, that's problematic too. But um, yeah, I I, I do want to also say just in just Pause finish one second. Oh go. And
1: yeah, I think yeah that whole Alex Jones thing was pretty strange to me too. Um, Cause I think, but just like. Also, he had um, just a slight tangent. He had um, Jack uh, Jack Dorsey. Um, I forgot her name, but she's uh, illegal for Twitter. And then Tim Pool, who's this conservative guy on Twitter, who um, all entered the same room. And they were Tim Pool was essentially debating that they, that Twitter and other social media sites kind of are very uh, biased to conservative. Uh, figures and public figures conservative, you know, influencers and all these different things because they seem to only remove and ban uh, you know these guys, you know you only ban the Milo's and the this, that's in the third, but you never ban this person and that person and what about Antifa and this and that and what's intriguing to me is like man, like not only do y'all need more color in this situation, but y'all, y'all are never going to think y'all need more color into this conversation. Yeah. Because you're thinking of it like from this very privileged position of views. Right. And yes, violence has been incited on these views. And then you claim, you know, people are trying to encroach on your freedom of speech, but let's really break these things down. Right. Like... And I think it's interesting now that you have conservatives who have kind of placed themselves in this place of like, well, I'm not doing anything but speaking my mind. Even if the rhetoric that you're speaking is in fact hateful, it does in fact inspire, maybe not you or anyone connected to you, but a group of individuals to be inspired by you to cause violence to other people. And I think it's the fact that there are people who are coming and trying to stop you doing these things and doing all these different things who are liberal, who are more open. I think they don't realize like to have some of the things you have, you have to see that you are closed in, you aren't doing these things. You aren't open. Right. Like look at all the people around you who have these certain values and views and how many of them are, how many of you guys are really that diverse. And there are problematic things that are within all those different things. And I think, they just don't talk about that enough, but I agree. I want us to dive into the solutions. Yeah, um, I love because I love that you know you understand the miseducation of you know, you know, children of color, black children especially, and I think that's something that's very needed. I think you're doing beautiful work. Thank you. I appreciate that because uh, not only is it in a skill that we need to be more in because we have done so many cool things within it but I also don't think that children that, like myself think growing up, I didn't realize that what I'm doing now is something that that is scientific I'm literally playing with sound and manipulating sound to do a thing to convey a certain message which is science yeah, oh man. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about batteries. You're talking about power. We're talking about wattage. We're talking about waves, waves, frequencies, yeah. Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, so many different lessons can be learned just in the sense of the medium that I'm using, and that's with almost every medium that you use. And I think we like science is a everywhere type of thing, but it's brought to us truly, truly in the most boring, bland type of way. Yeah. It is. But if you specialize and you, like, let it be known, I remember, I thought the most brilliant show was, uh, you remember, uh, the show, uh, it was, like, Sports Science or something like that?
0: You remember oh, that show? So good. Way way to connect with people. Just, people. Just people and, and just anybody who's into sports, right? Like, there's so many people in the sports. I grew I
1: think, uh, appreciation for so many more sports and, like... The skill
0: level of these people. There's a podcast on that. Oh, really? On just sports science, it comes out of the uh, what well, is it? Um, comes out of Star Talks, right? Like mm-hmm. Star Talks, they have the. Uh, the sports science uh, version of it. Oh for sure. so Neil yeah. for Neil deGrasse Tyson? Well you know he's not a part of it but oh for uh, it. I think he did have a Star
1: he didn't have a show called No
0: so. he has Star Talks but it branched out because they did a segment on sports. Okay. And then so they just went with it because so many people were into it. So it's yeah. like they just have podcasts on the science of sports now. Yes. I get it. It's pretty cool. I mean, that's
1: a cool intersection, too, because sports podcast is definitely a thing. But I want to get into solutions. Yeah. I truly believe in that children are certainly miseducated. And to double back into something that you said earlier about uh, a thing that is being missed. And that is that kids are not prepared.
0: Yeah.
1: I personally have been saying for almost probably over a year now that, like, what i've always thought was interesting about curriculums and what i've always thought interesting about being an adult is there are certain things that if you told me this you know eight to ten years ago i would have understood this right and even if i didn't wasn't able to do it at that moment i'll been glad i knew it and on top of that the sense of repetition i understand why that happens, why that's a skill within the education system, repetition, but also, if you told me that, what the hell, a 10, uh, what a 1044, a 1099, uh, how taxes work, what it means, uh, how credit really operates and what that means, what loans really do to your credit, what are the credit factors, uh, how to manage a budget, a personal budget, not just a uh, an accounting budget, which is something that you do do when it comes to a balance sheet and accounting in accounting, and that you may take in high school, but a personal budget. These are reasonable bills. This is and you can make it as real as possible. Don't just teach me about cost of living. Put me through what cost of living really, how that would really affect me in life. Because if I, this is something I'm going to do. Drill that into me too. Drill that into me too, like. Put me through pop quizzes of like, you know, you have this much money, Billy, and you have this many bills. How will you now pay all your bills? Or what how will you manage your budget for the month or the year? And you would you could just do your math like that and just keep adding on to it, like this is your salary. You have to pay this uh, this much a month. How will you factor in this into your now? new budget you just got okay you have the factory in the bonus now you have quarterly bonuses truly putting in their minds something that is very normal for life and then they're going to see it as boring because i'm just sitting there thinking like how many random word problems that you have in math word uh do worldly things that you had in science Mm -hmm. that like we're so beyond you. Cassandra is buying apples for her mom. Yeah. Who buys apples? Just one by one for their mom. like that. Kids don't
0: buy apples. Yeah, the kids Your don't buy apples. apples.
1: Your parents <laughs> buy apples. But you know what you do by yeah. you, you. know, I think that's what's a trip. But I would love to know, you know, what is... To me, I believe those things should be instituted into the education system. And it can be done just like that. Like, they can be in every class, any class... These are really adult skills, but I wanted to know what are the solutions that you have. That's that's kind of what I would add. I would add adulting into the curriculum.
0: Well, um, first of all, uh, one one of the things, especially like within within inner city school, with 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 fixing that right mm-hmm. is. Um, First of all, like we were talking about that, uh, the woman in science thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I finish things off, we read that book, and we talk about how there's no multiculturalism in science thing, mm-hmm. right? Like there's no multiculturalism in science book. Um, so I tell them, let's create, let's create our Yeah. right? And I have them research. I let them pick, like, research someone who's not a white male, right? Or, that's, only, that's, only, <laughs> that's right? the only, rubric. that's the only, that's the only rule. And uh-huh. like, luckily, I don't have enough white parents that they're not going to put a stink to me. Yeah, like, like, why are you doing why this? Why are you doing that? <laughs> like, what, what's wrong with white but like, men? But the other thing is is that, um, you know, I want them... I, I also include, like, LGBTQ. Like, like mm-hmm. let's go for an LGBT... Turing. Like, most people don't know that the first almost pretty much computer came from Alexander Turing, a gay male, right? Mm. And uh, so when the British laws, at that time, were, you know, like, were, like, criminalizing gay males, he, he ended up having to go to a psychologist, he ended up killing himself. The guy who basically, and he, he saved World War Two by creating the, uh, like, decoding the Enigma machine, right? So. What is that? The Enig so, uh, the Ger- German scientists had a code that reset, like, 24- 24, there's, there's a movie about it, the mm-hmm. Imitation game, it's okay. really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the German scientists had this like, um, they had this code that reset every twenty four hours, so nobody could decode it. Damn. Yeah, and so he. And could, what they used the code for? Uh so like like positions of like submarines and gotcha. stuff like that. So I like they were winning World War Two up until this time. And so it was like, like the first algorithm. Right, and so like Alexander Turing. Comes up with a machine, the Turing machine. That decodes the Enigma machine that he has to do within twenty four hours, and his team has to do it within twenty four hours every single time. This machine led to modern day computing, and uh, he ended up uh, he ended up saving. I mean, it was, many would say that he ended up saving the war, but then after that, after finding out he was a gay male, they
1: decided it was like a,
0: it was a, it, it was a psychological issue. You need to go see somebody right and then he ended up killing himself because he just wasn't accepting society hmm right and so I mean th- th- that's sad highly- you, you can't be this important and be gay right exactly so and, and, and I highly recommend the movie but so anyways um so we do a project multiculturalism science we mm-hmm. you know they produce a piece of art mm-hmm. we try and put together a book so I tried it last year I'm gonna do it this year I really hope to, like, put together a book and try and, like, bond it and publish it. Mm -hmm. I think that would be awesome. That's dope. So, like, yeah, like, just anyone that's not, like, any scientists that aren't white males, because, like, and, like, anybody that would come back to me about that, I'd be like, hey, like, we read enough about white male scientists. Like, let's talk about some that aren't. So, like, I give them resources to find, like, uh, African scientists, um, Asian scientists, uh, Puerto Rican and Hispanic scientists, um, uh, yeah, South America, Central American scientists. Mm. Um, and it's just like, because people feel better about researching scientists that are like them. And it's just like, that's important is to realize that they're like, there are scientists that are like you because like you can't just sit there and be around, like your, your education can't be being around hearing about the glory of whiteness. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, like, you know, I do, like, I do want, like, I appreciate, like, what you said about, like, you know, like, what I'm bringing to my classroom and stuff like that, but, like, the other solution is, is, is teachers developing empathy, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to be in an interstate school and you're a white person, because, like, I recognize that that's, that's a thing, right? Like, I'm walking into an interstate school and I'm a white person and I don't have the same exact experiences, mm-hmm. and I'm never... Never gonna know exactly what those experiences are, mm-hmm. but what I could do is I could attempt to develop empathy. Mm-hmm. I could read, and like, and I think that's like one of the ask best. things. Like, ask cho- Ask the children about mm-hmm. their experiences. Mm-hmm. Read about what it what it means to be a, a Hispanic or, or or black individual, right? Mm-hmm. And within this country, mm-hmm. um, one of the big flipping points of like me learn learning more about that was reading like a lot about like uh Michael Eric Dyson. Mm-hmm. I I, I love his reading. I read uh, one of his books which was like a sermon to white people of like yeah. what I want you to know about my experiences yeah. and it was very eye opening. But yeah. like um or I read in uh, in college I read about a book about and i can't remember exactly what the book was about because it was it was long enough ago yes but it was about an individual who ended up getting a free ride to brown and mm-hmm. came from an inner city school and his in a, a black male who was mm-hmm. just so confused and it, like and it's so it's just ooh, Trying like seeking literature that mm-hmm. will can get you in this is the best way to get into a mindset of a person is trying to seek literature that helps you to do so because I'm never gonna be there right yeah. like I'm I I, I I will never have that That's but true. I, I I do want to know best I can so I could better serve my students because yeah. I care about them and I love them yeah, and yeah. Um, but to answer the real question right of like Testing versus skills, Mm -hmm. right? To me, I think that we need to, like, go through education and say, do we really need this anymore? I love it. I love it. We need a filter of, like, is this still relevant? Do I need to graph linearly anymore? No. I could do so on a computer. Yeah. Right? And I stopped teaching my kids that, right? right? Like, when we do graphing, I teach them how to input the data. I teach them tools. Learn how to use tools. Stop learning how to memorize stuff. They could start using Excel in the middle school. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They are. My kids are. And they get it. And they understand it. Even, even my students who struggle with math are like, oh, I could input this stuff and it gives me all the answers. mm mm-hmm. Why am I teaching them how to graph a linear like linear equation anymore when it can give me the entire linear equation? Yeah. And I get that some people are like, oh, they need the background, yada, yada. But your job is not going to require that of you anymore. Nope. Right? Um, and, I, and I think it's that realism. It's taking that step
1: out of it mm-hmm. and assuming a thing because it does not matter. And there's a possibility this very thing will be discontinued. Like... I, I feel like I remember asking people who came behind me if they were still learning cursive in school, and most of them are. And well, I'm like, why did I learn
0: it? You know, I, I get why they need to for a signature, but, like, after that, that's then it. What? Then what? Right? Like right? Then what? Everything's being typed these days. You type everything these days. Even, I mean, even most of the assignments, you're, you're typing, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, there's no point there's there's really no point you shouldn't why is there an entire curriculum behind that um the real reason why i say like why do we need all this stuff why do we need to start trimming down the fat of Mm -hmm. like what we're learning why do we need to stop memorizing things and start getting kids into a position where well they need to um get the future jobs right like the future jobs, you know, John Oliver just did a great segment on this, is automation, mm-hmm. right? Like, and everyone was worried, worried in, the industrial, in the industrial period, or when, when industrialization first started mm-hmm. taking effect, everyone was worried all the jobs are going to go away. Mm-hmm. Machines do this better than us, right? Well, mm-hmm. what happened? They found new jobs. They found new job. New jobs were created out of the new discoveries mm-hmm. and the new in- in- inventions. Well, here's the thing. It's like, now we're starting to develop AI. Now we're starting to develop drones. Now we're starting to develop self-driving cars. There's this great book by Ted Din- Dinnersmith uh, about, it's called Most Likely to Succeed. And it talks about how we're not teaching our students to succeed. They say, uh, he claims that about 70% of all the jobs that are gonna exist in the future, the, my kids' future, and I say my kids as in my students, um, haven't been created yet. Mm-hmm. So I tell my kids all the time: Are you gonna fight for those thirty percent, or are you gonna fight for, the, or are you gonna work towards getting to that seventy percent of the jobs that haven't been created yet? Because fighting for the thirty percent are the jobs. That require memorization and the ability to do a single task over, a, and, over. A task over and over. Right, the seventy percent are going to require critical thinking skills. Yeah. So how do you fix how do you fix these issues and how do you fix these issues mm-hmm. in your C schools? You decolonize the curriculum. You make sure that they recognize that, in my opinion, you make sure that they recognize that there are people that are like them that are doing awesome things.
1: Mm,
0: Decolonize curriculum. That's a yes. t-shirt. Yeah. Second thing is, is you tell, or you teach the kids skills and you teach them critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Once you start doing that, they can adjust to any job that they need to be in. Mm-hmm. Stop teaching them to memorize. Teach them me to be a good. But that's what tests are doing. That's what assessments are doing. Mm-hmm. That's what these standardized tests are doing They're team. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what our funding comes from or where our funding comes from is from their scores. So until teachers start saying, "Hey, we need to start teaching these kids to be productive citizens for our future, and not care about these test scores," we're not gonna we're not gonna fix the problem. Mm. So we need to start teaching kids critical thinking. We need to start to te- start to teach them tools. We need to start teaching them how to use technology, because. It's learning learning slope intercept form is obsolete. I hate slope intercept form. <laughs> <laughs> no one liked it.
1: And I why I can't remember what it was for. Y equals M X plus B. Damn. What a time. What a time. Nate, I think we said so much and I think we've we've done a show. We've done a great show. I, I, I really appreciate it. I think this is great. I think this is exactly the conversation I expected to. So I really am glad we got together and made this happen. And I'm glad this happening. And um, when it happened, cause I think it's vital. I think education is coming to a really interesting shift uh, because it had to. I think we are in an age where the children that we, the children that are coming up now have the future and the past in the palm of their hands. Because they have the internet, they can read things from you know the things that are you know on the brink of happening that haven't happened yet, and the things that have happened in the past, and I think that puts us in a really interesting place for the paradigm to shift. On top of what I said earlier about you know seeing diversity within one of the highest places of government, I think it's very 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 uh, influential and it can't be really shaken off, and I think that's what's gonna truly fight back any of those very oppressive and very. Uh, very oppressive and very regressive ways of thinking that the country, I feel like, has historically always had within these younger children um, of all races. And I think the work that you do in education should be not only seen as something that is valuable, should be rewarded as such as well. Thanks, and sorry. I think it's, it's, yeah. sad, it's sad that you, know, you so often my whole life I always have heard about you know or seen you know my teachers out which it's always very strange to see your teachers out of out of school <laughs> <laughs> and uh and seeing them like working at macy's and working doing other you know other jobs and other things it always was crazy to me because they were like you at school every day you're not getting paid no, uh, you ain't
0: getting paid enough summers i do lands- be, landscaping and uh dog washing man that and that's the crazy thing you know
1: but i think systems that you know, systems like you see in, you know, Finland and Switzerland where, you know, education is propped up to literally be one of the most respectable uh, professions and damn near seen on that say and they're getting paid and the students are happy and they're really tested higher than almost every other country. I think it's by no mistake. So I think those things are vital. Those things are things that people I feel like need to keep fighting for. You know, shout out to all of the uh, different, you know, Boycotts and strikes that are happening all over because I feel that you know a lot of those are come from a good place and come from a place of wanting to not only teach their kids but also survive while they're teaching their kids, which I think is something to fight for. Uh, because you, I can only imagine being a disgruntled teacher and expecting them to you know maintain you know 50 children a day uh, or various or various amounts of, and then also do other things and have other responsibilities in their own personal lives. So you're doing great work and doing the work that a lot of people wouldn't even dare even try to do. But this is the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. Before I say that, I would love, love, love for all of you to, you know, support your local, uh, local communities, even if you aren't a parent. Find out if there's any ways that you can actually, you know, get involved within the school system and your public school systems no matter what city you're in, no matter what county you may be in, rural or urban, there may be a way for you to help, Maybe a way for you to assist, and um, trust me, they always need some type of you know, assistance, some type of help, no matter what the situation is. So figure out a way to be involved, and also, if you have solutions, suggestions, and um, any type of resources, provide them. You know, probably bring a proposition in, it definitely could probably help a lot. Um,
0: go ahead. And, you know, based on what you said, mm-hmm. you know, just to educate your child, just going back, it takes a village, right?
1: It takes a village, and it right. takes a village. And the teachers are a part of that village, so I, you know, I implore everyone who are parents, ones who are about to be parents, and people who are going to be parents in the future to be extremely engaged. And, Lily, treat, you know what, treat your teachers how you treat your barbers and your hairdressers. <laughs> you need to have your day numbers. You need to be able to hit them up. You need to understand when their birthdays are, who their kids are, who the type of people they are, what they do. Because that right there will make sure when your child acts up, that, damn, Mr. Smith going to tell my damn mom and I'm going to be in trouble when I get home. Because I ain't do this little bit of homework. Trust me. Yep. It works. It helps. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it work. It help. I so we got It's, so it's a community. Numbers. It's a community thing. So love the work you do. Love all teachers of they you know, are teaching all around the world. Love my teacher. Shout out to one of my faves, Miss Holloway. And I believe we did a great show. Um, you can follow me everywhere at kings underscore memoirs. Follow the show at simplykingpod on Instagram. You can listen to me everywhere from SoundCloud to Spotify to uh, Google Play to Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you listen. Make sure you leave a review. Appreciate y'all. This is the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. This is, I'm Rodney Perry, and this is Simply King. Peace. body slam Those who dispute get treated just like a prostitute. They get the boots and blade like a flute, so just play mute. Don't even whisper. Open your mouth to speak, and I'm a dish of rag, tag, and dog. Put you in the morgue because you're petty confetti and not ready to rock steady. In other words... You're half-stepping, tiptoeing, get going, because my weapon is not a nine the nosey or a shotgun. But when it comes to hype, rhymes, I like got one, just like the album. Is-